What's that old slogan, New Year, New Me? Well, it's New Year, New You, and a New Year, New Kicking Out at Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenmuth, and Happy New Year, Happy 2020 to all of you as we get you set for the very first edition of Kicking Out at Two in the year 2020. And we're bringing you a new concept that I'm, I'm going to try and make a regular part of the format. Instead of just kind of going, uh, you know, one topic or one show. I mean, I'm still, still going to do stuff like that, but um, I'm... I, I'm, I'm going to bring something a little bit different and take a, a, a few different topics and kind of put them together in one show. Stuff that we don't have enough to talk about in one whole show. We're just going to kind of put them together. And I call that the Day 5 Fanny Pack. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the Day 5 Fanny Pack debuting on the very first 2020 edition of Kicking Out at 2. And joining me this new year, he joined me Christmas Day with all of you for the Mega Powers Explode Watch Party. He's joining me for this uh, the, the the debut of this new concept, my good buddy, one of my favorite co-hosts uh, of, of Kicking Out of Two, and I'm sure he's going to be a part of this show more and more as the year goes on. Dennis, what's up, man? Always a pleasure, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm really am a very, very proud to be part of the, the first show of 2020. Well, I, I'm glad to have you. I always love doing these with you, like I said last week, and I will continue to tell you that because, you, like I said, you're my wild card. You bring it. I have a lot of fun talking wrestling with you, so I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you that, that you enjoy being a part of this because that's why I, I like having someone that enjoys talking wrestling with me as well. Um, so the Day Five Fanny Pack. For those of you that would like a little a brief rundown of what that exactly is, um, during my time on another podcast that I used to do, another wrestling podcast, um, I used to do a news report at the top of the hour. It was a two-hour show, so I would do it at the top of the second hour, and it was called the Dave 550-50 News Report. Um, uh, it was on the during my time on the Ken Reedy show. Ken came up with the idea of me doing a, a news report. I came up with the name, and I just kind of rolled with it. So I'm going to take the day five name because I came up with it, and I'm going to bring it over to kicking out at two, and I'm going to give you guys five random topics out of my fanny pack. Now, why is it a fanny pack? Well, what pro wrestler has never ever used a fanny pack in their entire life to carry their money, to carry their drugs, to carry whatever they need to carry when they're on the road traveling over 300 days a year. So I, I thought, you know, kind of tying in my, 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 my time on the Ken Reedy show with the Dave five and bringing the fanny pack together. So now we have for you the Dave five fanny pack, five random topics that we're going to discuss at length here this week. And before we do all that, it's 2020. If you're not on Facebook with us, then you're not having fun. We want you to have fun with us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. You're going to hit that like button. If you haven't already, if you have hit the like button, tell a friend to hit the like button links to archive shows, all kinds of great stuff up there. Pick Pictures and debates and discussions. Same thing for our Twitter. Our handle's at KickingOut2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. Uh, not as fun on, as it is on Facebook, but 2020 is the year where I'm going to make Twitter uh, a bigger deal when it comes to Kicking Out at Two, as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. You can find all of the Kicking Out at Two shows, as well as all the great shows like Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, um, Origins of Attitude, other great bonus content over there, as well as this show, Kicking Out at Two. Find it on Podbean. If you search Retromania with a W on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and any podcast platform available, you'll find all the great shows of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, including this one, Kicking Out at Two. All right. It's 2020. It's a new year. 
It's a new us. It's a new kicking out of two. It's a new concept. So let's kick things off right with this new concept. And I'm going to give you a topic and we're going to discuss it and just kind of, you know, see where it goes. Um, so we're going to start with the first topic out of the fanny pack. Famous contract signings in wrestling history. Tell me, Dennis, talk to me a little bit about some of your favorites, some that are memorable, some that you thought were god-awful. Uh, let's go into it. All right, so... I could even do, uh, not even not, not so retro, Kenny Omega, and how, how, how I became a Kenny Omega super fan to... One of my least favorite wrestlers of all time was his contract uh, fiasco. Am I going to WWF? Am I going to AEW? And even before that, am I staying in New Japan or going to WWF? It's shenanigans. Maybe can you make a super fan to fucking hate the motherfucker? Wow. Oh, that, 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 this uh, is real life contract yeah. situation. This is something that they're playing out on TV. No, no, but he did. He made it. He made it an angle. And he made and he played made it of our, of our played of our emotions and 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 I got and I got fed up with the motherfucker. I'm like, wow, I I know. Yes, technically speaking, it's not technically. Yes, I could currently watch him in America now. AEW, TNT, whatever you know. But but just my favorite product is of course WWF and and I wanted Kenny Omega my favorite product. I, I came out with all of these dream matches and all of these scenarios. Yeah, and, like everybody else. Yep. And, and of course, and then he's like, ha ha. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that drove me fucking nuts. But anyway, uh, of course, we want to make it more retro. I, had, I just. No, had no, a, no, you can bring up. No, you can bring up current stuff. So here's the thing. Yep. When it comes to the. Yes, this, pod, this podcast is more retro. However, when it comes to the, the, the Day 5 Fanny Pack, we'll, we'll be bringing some current stuff into the mix. That's how I'm going to kind of keep things current with some of the fans that listen that's, that watch the current product. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. It's, it's, it's mostly retro, but current current day wrestling products going to rear its ugly head in the day five fanny pack um, one way or another. So, but continue. Well, yeah, that, that, uh, I'm just saying that, that uh, the way Kenny Omega, in just those douchebag ways, just like <laughs> playing with the Kenny Omega super fans here in America. Like, like he did it, he did it when, when he actually did it for a plug because he was the hottest wrestler in Japan. He wanted to make a few, few more extra dollars, and I get it. And he's like, Am I going to WWF? I don't know. You know, Japan, New Japan obviously hit the panic switch. It goes, here's a checkbook, here's a pen, fill it out. That, 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 um, and I would have probably, if I was in the same position, maybe I would have done the same thing. However, then there's people over here, though. I want them, like, in America. I watch them every day. And and I don't know. And I, that, that pissed me off. And then he did it again with, with like, 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 I think he wanted kind of, like, I think he wanted maybe one more match in New Japan, and but I think New Japan's like if you're going AEW or WWE or whatever, we're not gonna give you anything. Just, yeah. just, just great. We're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna have you leave this company on our terms, not yours. And I and I don't think neither side like that. So he ran to America and of course joined AEW, whatever. And and yeah, right hand the God. I've not watched. More than five minutes of AEW, any of their programming. I actually bought their first, their first ever pay per view, and no. then I saw that stupid fucking battle royale, and I said, "I'm not watching this shit." <laughs> Between Kenny Omega and this fucking battle royale crap, I am done with this company before it even started. But anyway, 
We're talking about contracts. I'm sorry. Oh, As I said, uh, but anyway, I'm done with my Kenny Omega rant. I just had to get that off no, my chest. No, but uh, my but yeah, card. but uh, <laughs> the, but um, but, but contract signings, of course, that 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 are intriguing over the years. That that uh, that that um, you can even go back to like my earliest wrestling memory, Hulk Hogan. I forgot what promotion that was in Minnesota. AWA. Yeah, AWA. That that, that uh, he had that. Contract to AWA said he's gonna wrestle for them. No, the contract signings, like the when they would have him in the middle of the ring. Oh, see, I'm getting all confused. Like, okay. I, I, so we're talking about like, oh, here comes these two wrestlers, and we're gonna yeah, sign. Yeah, them. we're gonna sign. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, like, no, been like big wrestling, like NW, uh, the, the outsiders coming we, to WCW. We, we can and, talk about that oh, another day. But oh, I apologize. I got confused. No, that's okay. That's all right. I apologize to the listening audience and to the host of the show, no, Mr. No, Dave. You don't have to apologize. All right, so yeah, big contract signings. But, but he did make his contract issue a fiasco. So you kind of, you, 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 when you talk about Omega, it, yeah. it kind of falls within the line. Because, I mean, they did bring it up on, on television, you know, when it came to, like, New Japan and stuff like that. It was brought up, his contract situation. But anyhow, nonetheless. All right, I apologize. I, I took it out of, I took this out of kind. I, maybe I didn't contract. explain it that, that, uh, good enough, but, but okay. No, it's no big deal. Let's let, let's move on. You were saying infamous contract signings. Okay. That, um, well, one of my uh, favorite ones, CM Punk and uh, the Cena Bomber. So, I, I, I'm telling you right now, it's not a, I, it's kind of a popular opinion, but kind of an unpopular opinion to say it's like one of the great matches of all time. Money in the bank. I, I get confused with years between between twenty eleven. Yeah, the, and Cena. Thank you. In Chicago. Yeah. 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 Just moving forward, ladies and gentlemen of of the kicking attitude audience, between being Irish and beers and pot over the years, my memory's <laughs> fucking shot to all hell. This is anyway. So I'll get confused over the years. But anyway, they have the Money in the Bank eleven. That, that that I'll say is my favorite match of all time. That, that whole pay per view uh, is, is, is an awesome show. Other than other than uh, Big Show versus um, Mark Henry, yeah, Mark Henry. Uh, that that uh, and the those, match, yeah, Gordon's match too, yeah. But even uh, the Big Show Mark Henry angle when he injured him was good stuff. I guess you're right about that. The angle itself, like but, the way it was set up, the match it was what it was. But I I just love that match so much. It's my favorite, and and seen and I don't even I I I'd be one. That 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 uh, openly admit, I don't really like Cena Bomber, and I really kind of hate him actually. But I don't hate him, hate him either, like uh, mm. like a lot of people do. But the contract signing was one of your favorites. Oh, it was so they, good! With, that, with that, the two of them. Yep. Triple H was involved. Yeah, now, yeah. Like, like, Vince. No, gonna, Vince was involved. It's gonna be my that. last match and all this other stuff. We all know it was full of shit. But but yeah. but, but uh, oh, that was so good. And um, and of course, any contract signing when a guy goes through a table or something. I, I there's I'm just trying to make it. My examples, but like anytime there's like violence involved, and it, yeah, that, 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 uh, what, what's your um, my the first one I ever watched that I've ever seen as a kid was um, from the very first Royal Rumble event, it was on the USA Network, and it was Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, and they were signing their contract for the WrestleMania 3 rematch. So this was in January of 1988. I remember this very, very vividly. Yep. We were at my grandparents' house, and it was like a school night. And we were taping this on on VHS. And I remember being excited because it was the, it was the contract signing for the rematch. I think I was five years old, maybe. I might have been five or six years old. And... Um, my parents had told me that 
after this, we have to go home. And I was upset that I didn't get to watch the whole show, even though I was going to have it on tape when my, when I, next time I went to my grandparents' house, it was going to be there so I could watch it. Um, I remember um, being upset that not only Andre humiliated him and beat him up, but then I had to leave after that because I wanted to see Hogan get his revenge. Because as a kid, in my mind, I was used to Hulk Hogan getting the upper hand at the end of the day. This was a rare situation where I watched him on television and someone got the best of him. And that was, you know, that was it. That was, that was the extent of what I saw of Hulk Hogan that night. I thought he was going to wrestle. I wanted to see him wrestle as well. He didn't wrestle. So that was the famous contract signing where Andre was paired with DiBiase and they had the contract signing in the middle of the ring. Jack Tunney was there. Mean Gene was presiding over the contract signing. And Hogan came out and Andre was stalling to sign the contract. And they had brought up the controversy from WrestleMania 3 when in the opening moments of the match, Hogan tried to slam Andre. Andre fell on top of him. And the referee looked like he counted three, but it was only a two. And... They brought that up as part of the buildup for this for this upcoming match. The match would eventually take place at the Saturday night's main event. That was when they did the twin mm-hmm. referees, and Hogan thought DiBiase paid off the referee to get the plastic surgery, brother, and all that stuff. But that was the first one I ever saw, like live, like watching it, and. They had, they had become few and far between over the years. And now it just seems like, especially in the last, God, t- 10 years or so, it seems like there's one once a month or once every other month they do a contract signing. It's almost, you know, ad nauseum. AEW did one uh, uh, in November of uh, 2019 with Jericho and Cody. And they didn't get physical, but they like it looked like official. They had it on the stage instead of in the ring, and they were both on opposite ends of the table, and they didn't get too physical, and they kind of went a little bit back and forth. And then they had an angle where um, Jericho's group, the inner circle, they, they had beaten up uh, Dustin Rhodes out in the parking lot, so they showed it on the screen, and Cody ran out. That was the extent of the physicality, as opposed to, like you said, most guys going through a table, and that's the end of it. Yeah. You know? So the, the 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 one from 1988 with Hogan and Andre, I remember, um, I remember as being the first one. One of my favorites has to be when, well, there's two. Okay, there was one with um, with uh, uh, shit. I'm drawing a blank here. Triple H and Steve Austin. And they were gearing up for their two out of three falls match at the No Way Out pay-per-view where it was like three different matches. It was three different Mm -hmm. gimmick matches. And this was stemming from the fact that Triple H revealed himself to be the guy behind hiring Rikishi to run over Stone Cold in that, that hit and run angle. So Vince McMahon put this edict out on TV that neither man could physically touch each other Otherwise, Austin would lose his WWF title match that he had scheduled for WrestleMania from winning the 01 Royal Rumble. And Triple H, I think, would be fired or something like that. Something something ridiculous. So they were both going back and forth, and they finally signed the contract. Er, No, Austin signed, and him and Hunter 
were kind of jawing back and forth, and Hunter attacked him and then nailed him with the briefcase. There was a briefcase or something, I think containing the contents of the contract. And Vince was like, oh, no, was, if, Hunter, if Hunter attacked him, he was going to be suspended. He's like, you're suspended for six months, pal. And Hunter was like, I didn't, I'm not suspended because I didn't sign anything. And then he signed the contract. And I thought that was so clever. It was like, this, yeah. this motherfucker got one over on Stone Cold. I was like, that's cool. My other favorite contract signing involves um, involves Bret Hart and Vince McMahon from 2010 when they did that angle when Bret returned. And Bret supposedly had a broken leg and they were both sitting in the chairs. And Austin was mediating that contract signing because he was the guest host of Raw. That was when they were doing the, the guest GMs or whatever. And he was jawing at Vince, and they were playing up their issues that they had had over the years. And Austin told him, he was like, I can't wait to see this guy beat the shit out of you, et cetera, et cetera. And he leaves and flips him off and does the whole nine. And Vince spins the chair around, and he's, you know, jaw-jacking Austin as he walks back up the ramp. Vince spins the chair back around at the table, and all of a sudden, Brett is just sitting there with the cast on his leg and the contract was already signed and Vince was like wait a minute and Brett was like I needed you to believe that my leg was broken so that I could get you to sign the contract for this match he was like my leg was never broken and at Wrestlemania I'm gonna you know I'm gonna Brett screwed Vince and they played off the whole Montreal thing yeah. those were some of my favorites and then there's been some really shitty ones over the years um, like, uh, fuck more recently, more recently, all the contract signings suck. Yeah. There's nothing I, really good about it. It disappointed me that, 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 uh, oh, the, uh, what's the woman's one, uh, that, that Charlotte and Sasha, I, I wanted to say my, it was, I don't know if it was the Hell in Cell one, but, but, uh, maybe it was their SummerSlam match. But anyway, I, that, that, uh, you, you, yeah, it was, um. Hell in Cell, the, yeah, the first ever... Women Tell Cell, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the first ever... So uh, they had a contract that, signing for it? Yeah, it's, it's going to be the first time ever the women are going to main event uh, a, a major WWE pay-per-view. Yep. First Hell in the Cell, yeah. And yeah, it was such lackluster, and, just, and Charlotte went through a table, but it was so corny. Yeah. And 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 it was just cliche. It was it, that uh, I was kind of really... I, I well, granted the bar was high because I knew the match was incredible. It really was. It was a good match. I, I hated the finish because I was a huge. I still this damn. I'm a Sasha big super fan. Yeah. But uh, that but but I just remember going. Yeah, that was. That 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 did not deliver. Do now? Do you remember the? Um, this was an interesting contract signing because it didn't take place in the arena. It had like a sports feel to it. Do you remember when they signed the contract for Sting and Hogan for Starcade? I don't know. So it was done like a press conference style. And they had taped it in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. And the way that Bischoff had and WCW had marketed this, I thought was genius. So they announced on Nitro on a Monday night that Sting and Hogan were going to sign their contract at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas for their for their for their Starcade match. And they were going to do it on Tuesday evening and they were going to do it 
as a part of a special with one of those like B-rated like Hulk Hogan movies, like one of those like made-for-TV movies that he did. I think it was like some sort of like assault on Devil's Island or something with like Carl Weathers, some some fucking abomination of a movie, and they did the they they cut every time they went to a commercial they cut to what they called was a live shot of the contract signing. So Hogan was there. They had fake press. They had like a podium and, and, and I think Mean Gene was moderating it. And I think Bischoff was there and a couple of the NWO guys. And then all of a sudden, like the door swings open and it's staying and he's standing at the door. They cut to commercial. They come back. They, they go to the movie, then they go to another commercial. They come back, and then they meet face-to-face, and then they, they, they dragged it out through, like, a couple different commercial breaks of this fucking movie that nobody wanted to watch. I, I watched the movie just for the contract signing because it was such a big deal that, like, Sting and Hogan were going to wrestle. And I was, fuck, it was 1997, so I was, like, 14 years old, maybe. So this was on TNT, I'm assuming. Yeah, this was on TNT, and... The way that they just set it up, like, if you ever go ahead and, like, YouTube yeah. it, like, you might be able to find, like, Sting Hogan contract signing for Starcade. Like, the way it was done, I just thought was, like, it, it, it wasn't anything like we've seen before and now, you know, where um, it was just, just the whole way it was set up and how they marketed it. I thought it was genius. But um, any more contract signings that you could think of that you liked, disliked? Not I could think. Uh, it's good. I hate to say it, because most of the time it was just cliche that, uh, one person was just sign a contract, and then the other one, and then either the heel would throw something in his face. Someone's going through the table. Yeah. E- either, e- e- or someone's going to jump over the table and attack it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll move on. That's that, that. That's our first subject here in the fanny pack. Coming out of the fanny pack now, we're going to talk about um, enhancement talent over the years in wrestling history. I imagine growing, oh, growing I, up. Yeah. Um, a lot of the wrestling that you and I both watched was a superstar destroying an enhancement talent. Um, talk to me about your memories of watching, like, let's say, a Barry Horowitz or an Iron Mike Sharp or a Joey Mags or whoever. And just what what were your t- thoughts on the role of, I mean, der- jobbers is a derogatory term, but of the enhancement talent in wrestling. And do you think it could come back? I wish they would bring it back. Okay. That, that, that uh... That, that, it's like a regular thing, right? Because, for example, that 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 uh, I'll I'll go I'll go in a second of like the enhancement talents that I used to love, mm-hmm. but 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 I want to talk in current time. That that to take like a no way no way Jose in NXT, this guy can fight, yeah. And, and or um, oh, who's my main man who does the, huh, huh, that 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 that, uh, that Japanese wrestler I like a lot. But anyway, uh, Akira Tozawa. Thank you. Okay. That that, yeah. that that uh. That uh, there you are now the current jobber, and they can they come out with a theme, or, or every now and again they'll come out to, to to their theme music, and then and then like right before the guy who's gonna beat them, you see you know Kira Kazawa, no way he comes out during the commercial, exactly. Come back, they're already in the ring with the music playing. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, 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 Thank yeah. you, Dave. Yeah. And that that uh that that uh those guys don't have to. Those guys could be themselves or whatever. No, they don't have to be a jobber. If they had jobbers, you know what I mean. Yeah. That that uh, that that uh, a jobber should not have a T-shirt, should not have you know theme music, and just gonna they should just be put over a talent. You know what yeah. I mean. That that uh, that's what grinds grinds my gears about uh, about this day and age where 
they the the, the jobbers who, who who are being used. Eric Youngs. Uh, uh, I mentioned no one. Heath Slater. No one will say EC three. EC three is only a jobber because there are no jobbers. If he was a jobber, I'm telling you that gentleman could be potential. He could be a big star. Oh, I, uh, lo- I love EC3. I think EC3, very underrated. Uh, I felt like he should have stayed in NXT a little long. I felt like he didn't get enough in NXT. I know he was hurt. They they, they didn't really do enough with him. Like, he was just kind of, he had a little run, and it's like, all right, we're going to bring him up to the main roster now. And, it was, and they didn't have a plan for him. And I think it's been, it, ever since, it's, been, it's gone straight to hell with him. But you're right. To, the current crop of guys that are in, at least in WWE for that matter are enhancement talent with gimmicks in a sense. You know what I mean? They are this they are this era's version of enhancement talent. You know, it's and some could say there's nothing wrong with that, and some could say like, well, there's mm-hmm. th- some of those guys are better than that. That they that there's more to them than just helping put a guy over. But I mean. There's so many guys out there in the past that have been enhancement talent that, you know, not only do they not get enough credit for what they've done to help make guys who are stars, but some of those guys have ended up becoming, you know, ended up making decent careers out of them, you know, for themselves um, in terms of, you know, what they made and their reputation and, you know, bouncing around from different organizations and different territories. And some have opened up wrestling schools and, and, and do pretty decent. Um, Mario Mancini was an enhancement talent and he's local in Connecticut. He owns, um, he, he, he co-owns uh, Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling uh, with Paul Roma. Who was an enhancement talent yeah. at one point as a part of the Young Stars with Jim Powers? Let's go back uh, okay. for a second. Yeah, that, 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 like Paul Roma, for yep. example. What, what is the definition of a enhancement talent or jobber? Because Paul Roma, like you know, the Power and Glory, Young Stallions, um, New Jim Young Powers. Stallions, and and uh, he was a four horseman. That that. Uh, that uh, his majority of time, I would agree, was enhancement talent. But there's times where he wasn't. That, well, yeah. that, that, uh, he was one of those few. Do, do you like uh, for like um, like a Scott Taylor? That that we consider him a, uh, like an enhancement talent or now? He, as I'm saying, yeah, his whole legacy per se. No, 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 no. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. His legacy is Scotty Too Hotty. You know, his legacy is. Is, is is what he created with that character? Because I, I sort of always think. Unfortunately, it's, Paul Roma's legacy yeah. is an enhancement talent that somehow managed to be a four horseman. That's what people look at him as. That's uh, unfortunate. Uh, unfortunately, that's the case because of you know how his career had panned out. I mean, let, let's be honest. Yeah. When people talk Paul Roma, they don't say, "Oh yeah, he had that great run with Hercules and Power and Glory." It's like, no, he was the jobber guy that tagged with Jim Powers that somehow managed to be a member of the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what you look at him as. He was one of those few that had potential to eventually be something more than just an enhancement talent. There's guys today that have potential to be something more than an enhancement talent. But for... There's only so much time on the show, and there's only so many roles you can give people, yeah. you know what I mean? Not saying that, like, Vince needs to trim the fat and cut a whole bunch of guys, even though he's done some of that recently. 
But there's... I don't think there's anything wrong with some of the roles that some of these guys are playing, you know? Um, as, you know, the enhancement guys, so to speak. Funaki made a living out of it forever. Yeah. You know? Jim Powers. Is Jim Powers, you. yeah. Jim Powers. Yeah. I mean, these guys, you know. And I bet you, maybe not now, inflation or whatever he's doing in life, but my gut tells me, 1993-ish, Barry Horowitz, I'm saying he had a six-figure bank account. I really believe that. That guy, that guy was on TV every single week for for, for multiple shows. Yeah. He'll be on Wrestling Challenge. Yeah, yeah, he'll lose to uh, to 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 uh, you know whoever. And that, that, uh, then he goes to WCW. Yeah. He's on this show. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, not not even that. that I'm just saying, just like take his like his WWF. That, that he'll be on Wrestling Challenge, lose to the Repo Man. Boom! He goes on uh, Superstars, loses the Undertaker. Boom, he's on Raw. He's losing to, to Gano's along the, the Sultan. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, uh, he, he was on every single show. And, and then he, obviously he probably makes 500 a match. Boom, he had all those, all those matches up. He made a career. Oh, he, he certainly did. I mean, he was everywhere. You know, was he, you, was, I, he was in WCW for a little while. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. I mean, there, I've been... When I uh, the other side project I do with with Kobe Weekend Warriors, we would cover superstars and Saturday night, and we would watch them. And there was one episode in particular, I forget what what it was, but you know, superstars and Saturday night they aired on the same day, but just in different time slots. And there were a couple of enhancement talent that worked superstars the same episode, and then worked the Saturday night episode. Oh, I wish I noticed they that. They taped them different yeah. times and different days, but it was just funny. I think it was one of them was like Dale Wolf was the guy's name. He got like squashed by like Undertaker, and then on Saturday night he was in a tag match with Ian Weston against like Dustin Rhodes and Barry Whitney. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, so it, it was just kind of funny that like you know that that we saw that, but. Um, Talk to me a little bit about some of your some of your favorite enhancement talents growing yep. up. And here's two questions. Favorite enhancement talents growing up and what enhancement talents had potential to be more All right. that, that, that didn't turn out the way you liked so, it? So one's both. So I'll leave him for last. Okay. But uh, favorite, favorite, the gambler for sure. Yep. Loved the gambler. Um, that... Um, Barry Horowitz, he had, he, he had, uh, I, it, he, what, what I thought he lacked was um, athleticism and just charisma. And that, that, that when they mean him, like kind of like that Jewish, uh, like, um, like underdog. underdog. Yeah. That, 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 uh, With Hakushi. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought that was like, that's as, as high as bars as, yeah. as they're going to make That was make the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a ceiling. That uh, so the Barry Horowitz that that um, um, I hate to say that that they were jobbers, but they essentially were the Oriental Express because uh, they were really good, but they lost. They were the every, Orient Express. They lost. The e- oh, I'm sorry. You know what I meant. <laughs> you know what I meant. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, ladies and gentlemen. No, that's all right. That uh, I just that, uh, I found it. But yes, the, the Orient Express. Yeah. That that the uh that. The um, they were really good actually, and they yeah they lost every match. And what what was the um Tanaka? What was his tag team at WCW? They were awesome. Tanaka? Yeah, he was From in a Orient tag team. Express? Yeah, he was an enhancement guy in WCW. Was he? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I used to see him on the Saturday he was in a tag shows. team. Oh, it's driving me nuts. 
uh, um, he was, he was Bad a, Company, right? That was AWA with Paul Diamond. Yeah. And DDP was I'm the sorry. manager. No, 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 that's yeah. okay. But yeah, no, you're, yeah. That was that was his claim to fame. That and the Orient Express. That was, a, yeah, he was, like I said, when you gave him, he was good. Uh, anyway, yeah. Were they were the tag champions in that federation? Uh, uh, yeah, I believe okay. they were. All right. I believe they were, yeah. I, I just knew that, that, that uh, anyway, wait, I'm, no, no, I'm, no. I'm digressing. Um... But yeah, that, that uh, uh, sh- uh, you know, Iron Mark Sharp, that that uh, he was good. I think he, he'd be the big guy like that, whatever. If you threw a mask on him and gave him another guy to throw a mask on him, I think they could have been like, like you know, like the, I'd be the cliche. I know there's a million of them, but the executioners yeah. or something. The I think, phantoms. Yeah, yeah, the phantoms. I think they could have went over. Yeah. That, um, um, yeah, but the the number the number one guy that I thought had the look, the moves, and everything, all you had to do was to put the uh, the the uh, you know the the, um, the rocket ship on him, Jim Powers. He's not Jim Powers. I thought he was a good looking kid. Yeah, good looking. I guy. thought he had the moves. He was that, good. That, that, uh, I never heard him talk him all entire life, so I don't I don't know. So uh, when I saw him, I can vaguely, vaguely, vaguely remember when I was a little when I was a teenage kid when they put. Um, Oh, oh, who's the ex-GM of, of SmackDown? Um, um, Teddy Long. Teddy Long, yeah. When they gave Teddy Long him as a manager. Oh, with Jim Powers. W- I yes. actually, I thought, finally, here yes. it is. Here it is. And, and nope, he still was a jobber. Yeah, I remember that. Wow, that's you know? crazy. I remember that, yeah. Um, that's wild, yeah. I mean, he... So he was your favorite, and you thought he was the one that I thought he was the one that 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 really scratched my head, and I'm like, why are they not pushing this guy? Why is he losing the Doink the Clown three times? Uh, I I just didn't get it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough nut to crack. But um, my favorite, probably, I'd have to say was, I mean, Brooklyn Brawler. That's a good one. Brooklyn Brawler, I thought, was um, just his look and his presentation. Like, he looked more than, than you know, what the enhancement talent was. And the random enhancement talent had a mullet and, you know, shitty ring gear. And they didn't have the best-looking body. Um, and they used to just get bounced around and beat up. Brawler used to get beat up all the time. But he looked so tough. He looked credible that, like... Even uh, looking back on it, it's like, why didn't they do more with him? You know what I mean? Yes. He had a run with Bobby Heenan. And he was in a, in a rivalry with Terry Taylor. Yeah, the Terry Taylor. The whole Red Rooster thing, heading into <laughs> WrestleMania 5, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's probably the one where I felt like they could have done more with him. Here's one guy who many consider enhancement talent. And you can make a strong case for it. But... He did more than what an enhancement talent is required to do, and that's Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong was always looked at as like an enhancement talent. They kind of, even though they threw him in little angles here and there, they never it never really went anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't. Think- but then he would be like positioned in like enhancement talent matches against random guys on WCW Saturday Night or the Worldwide Show, and he had like, you know the. He was his ability in the ring was so good that like he made you believe that you were that the the superstar especially the heel was gonna lose because he was that good. So those are those are the the, the, the few that come to mind. Um, 
I feel like if, if there's one person that probably had the most potential that was in an enhancement talent role, it was probably Brad Armstrong. I, I totally... I, I totally agree with you too. That uh, what was the at least in Connecticut? That uh, what was the WCW show that was on Saturday late mornings between ten and eleven? Maybe maybe it was twelve o'clock. Pro or worldwide? One anyway, that uh, that uh, wasn't worldwide because anyway, I know worldwide was on Sundays. Okay. That, that, uh, but uh, so maybe it was yeah, pro. It was, that uh, he fought Ric Flair in one of those shows, and. It was took him to the limit. It took him to the limit. It was insanely good, yeah. and it wasn't. And I employ anybody who's listening to this podcast right now. YouTube it, maybe by made by miracle. It's on, it's on the network, but uh, yeah, Brad Armstrong, Ric Flair for the title. It was so fucking good. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just shocked at like what like like I said, there were times where they 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 put him in little angles, and he. Like he did something with Brian Pillman in the lightweight division, um, and they would just throw him in like random tags, but they didn't really do a whole lot with him. And then there were other times where like they treated him like he was, like I said, I hate to use the term because it could be so derogatory, but as a jobber. And I felt like he was so talented in the ring that like they could have done more with him, you know. But I've heard stories that like the charisma. Like, his personality behind the scenes, he couldn't translate that when the red light came on. And that was, I guess, what was holding him back was his charisma. His ability in the ring, they kept him around forever because the motherfucker can wrestle. I mean, he's an Armstrong. You know, he's son of Bullet Bob, brother of Road Dog. You know, like, he, he he's, he's got it. They say he's probably, the in terms of all the, the, the Armstrong brothers, the, the one with the, the best in-ring skills. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's, that's my take on... Um, on enhancement talent. Um, we're going to be approaching the 20 year anniversary of Taz's WWF debut at the Royal Rumble when he defeated Kurt Angle. Um, and for me personally, I think his run in WWF as a wrestler, WWF, WWE, highly disappointing. What's your take on Taz's run? As we approach the 20-year anniversary. I think that's too hard to say disappointment. Okay. Was it meant to its fullest potential? Maybe not. And is that the definition of disappointment? Maybe. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend that, that he had moments. Take his debut. I'm not saying he didn't have moments, but go ahead. To, to take his debut. You know, Kurt Angle that, that, that uh, goes Square over. Garden. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That, 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 uh, and, and I just love his... I, I listened to a Taz interview once where... Where he goes, Vince, put me in the Royal Rumble. I get popped. He goes, trust me, you're not gonna win it. You're gonna win it. You got a bigger pop if you win. And he's like, oh, yeah, good point. That that uh, that that um, that, that, that so he goes over, beat, beats Kurt Angle. That uh, that, that that I know you're talking about wrestler, but he's commentating. That that uh, he at least won once or twice the tag titles. Yeah, he was a tag champ with Spike, um, Spike Dudley for a little bit. Um, he had, you know, brief runs with, like, the hardcore title um, when they were doing the 24-7 yeah. thing. It's just so hard when, like, you know, when they did the, like, like, like the original Invasion angle when the, when ECW came in and, you know, here comes Jared and Kiglar calling them midget wrestlers and stuff like that. But it said, uh, so when you're just so polluted, like, as a fan, like, the shit on the product already and shit on these wrestlers and whatever... Like, they didn't have the wherewithal to be like, wait a second, these guys someday might be wrestling for this promotion. 
Then the, 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 the way the original Invasion angle was when they did Sabu and Taz yep. and RVD was like, these guys are never going to come to this company. And then one day, Lord McLaurin, they're coming into the company. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and those guys were so behind the eight ball, I just don't really think they ever had a chance. And so what Taz, with, with, with the, the with, uh, him, him being so, so, so behind the eight ball, I don't consider him a failure in the WWE. I don't really don't. Um, I mean, all right, here's where I stand when it comes to him. You make a good point. Yeah, Lawler kind of calling them midget wrestlers. Um, he was fighting an uphill battle. But um, there's two schools of thought here. WWF, WWE was always known as a big guy territory, a big guy company. Your top guy was always a big guy. Taz was even smaller than, let's say, a Bret Hart or a Shawn Michaels, you know? And um, I don't know. I just felt like in that time period in wrestling as a fan, I didn't watch a ton of ECW, but from what I watched, he was promoted as the baddest fucking dude on the planet. He looked bad. He looked believable. He made you believe. Sometimes when he got in that ring and when he spoke, I thought like part of it was a shoot. Like he was like he was that believable. He was so angry and you believed everything that came out of his mouth that like that believability for me as a fan, I thought could carry over to the WWF. So they bring him in, in the garden. He makes Angle tap out, or he chokes him out, I should say. Gets a huge pop. Everybody knew it was him. Everybody knew he was coming. The vignettes with the number 13 and the orange and black, everyone knew it was going to be him. And he has that hot run with Angle, you know, the hot moment with Angle, I should say. And then after that, they just kind of made him feel like he was just like everyone else. And I felt like... There was something special about him in ECW and the way he was presented that I felt like it should have carried over to the WWF and it didn't. And he should have been used as like an attraction, but I get that time period. They were lying. They were, they were at war with WCW. They were winning the war. They were well past it. They had already beaten them at that point before WCW closed the doors and Adding Taz on the team to an already stacked roster was just like overkill. But I felt like Taz could have been utilized better. Like they took they took some of his background from ECW and it was like, oh, he's a legitimate guy. He came from ECW. We'll just put him in the hardcore division. And that stuff was cool. But it was like, I would have loved to have seen Taz and Kurt Angle have a, a lengthier match and a lengthier run against each other. Or... Um, Taz and Jericho, you know, like for the Intercontinental title. When the Radicals came in, maybe an Eddie Guerrero and a Taz or a Benoit and a Taz, you know, n names like that. And I feel like they, they use Taz more as like a comedy and like a joke. Like I just thought like he should have been treated like he was a badass dude and he wasn't. He was just treated like he was just another guy that came in, and now he's like everybody else. I guess that's fair. And that, to me, was where I felt like his run was disappointing. Did it take a while for me to like him on commentary? Yes. It took a while because he wasn't your standard commentator. He wasn't very plain Jane, vanilla, like, like you see even now. 
You know, he was he to me Taz was the guy that you sit in the basement or on the couch with watching wrestling or watching a ball game. He sounded like a regular guy. And then that as as time went on, that as I got older and I became more mature, that appealed to me. So I, it took me a while to grow into the Taz role as a commentator. Like you said, he had a run with the tag belt with Spike. Yep. I thought that was decent. Did some stuff with the Dudleys. I thought that was some decent stuff. I, The stuff with Lawler was okay. Um, didn't really care for the stuff with him and Raven as a tag team when they brought Raven in for that hot minute. Um, but I just felt overall it was a very disappointing run um, as a wrestler for Taz. I really did. I thought like he just... He could have made a bigger splash and a bigger impact, and I don't know what was stopping them. I don't know if the roster was too stacked and they had too many guys, and you know I don't know what it was. But I've heard his injuries had kind of piled up as well. He had some issues with that, um, and he also came in coming from ECW, uh, which was already a hostile environment to begin with, and he kind of brought some of that hostility with him when it came to um, some of the creative decisions that were made for him. Um, and that he might have been a little bit difficult to deal with at times. But uh, overall, the wrestling aspect of him, like the matches I wanted to see, like I wanted to see him in Austin. And they, and I think they did it on like a SmackDown when Taz was like a fucking comedy character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when Austin was the leader of the Alliance and he was whooping on Taz, I was like, this is great. Maybe he could humiliate him to the point where Taz needs to go back to his roots and find himself again and we get badass Taz versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nope, they didn't do that. They fucking jobbed Taz out till, you know, it was time for him to be full time in the commentary booth. You know what I mean? I just to me, his wrestling run in the WWF very disappointing and I, it, he was the he out of all the guys that that, you know, jump ship during the Monday Night Wars, he's probably one of the very few that was like a very big disappointment for me. Just, I just, I guess, I can tell you the moment where he kind of, I guess, especially when he jumped the shark in the WWE, was when he lost to Triple H. That match that, uh, when he had the ECW belt, when yeah, he had the whole thing when he won it from Mike Awesome, yeah, he was the WWE guy that had to beat the WCW guy for the ECW belt, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And that, that was when, that was when, that's when it went, but definitely, that was his peak, and that's when it's bite down, yeah. I just felt like it was too up and down. There was like, oh, they get potential to do something here. It's like, nah, wah, 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 wah. Like, yeah. Was, I don't know. I, I mean, any more thoughts on. on no, on, I, the, 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 uh, my case would be I, 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 I would, I think it was successful, but it wasn't to the potential of when he was with, uh, the, you know, ECW. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, ECW was, but ECW was also a different environment yep. too. ECW was um, a totally different world, and um, I guess you could say like he fit more of their mold. Um, all right, here's here's an interesting last two topics, um, and I and I texted you this, and this is this this was a little inspiration that came from a question on a recent episode of Eric Bischoff's 83 weeks podcast someone asked him a question of take three guys from the current era of wrestling and slot them into the NWO role like if they were like in their prime in 1996 who would it be and Bischoff picked 
Um, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar is his NWO, if they were around and wrestling in 1996. Um, Conrad, the host, picked Randy, Brock, and Cena. Um which was interesting. And then I was, I went, as, as I was listening to that podcast and I was thinking about it, I was like, that's a pretty cool question, a pretty cool what-if scenario, hypothetically. Um, but what if the tables were turned and what if the NWO storyline had originated in the WWF in 1996? Who would have been the two WCW guys to jump to the WWF and who would be the third man? Now, I know in text you told me that you had four guys. Four guys. So lay out your scenario for me. If the NWO storyline originated in the WWF in the spring of 1996, if Hall and Nash never left WWF to go to WCW and this was an NWO invasion in the WWF in 1996, tell me how you would have laid that out. So this is what I would have done. I would have had guys that figured, uh, thought of themselves as being held back by WCW. Similar and it, to the way This is why they needed to come. So, my, my, so I would have a tag team. I would, I would have a tag team. A guy that's going to be high mid-card. Uh, high, uh, high mid-card. And a trader that's going to be for the world champion. Okay. Uh, that, 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 so, my tag team would be Booker T., and and uh, Billy Ray, Stevie uh, Ray, uh, Stevie Ray, Harlem yeah, Harlem Heat. Okay, i Harlem Heat, and I would have Brian Pillman as 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 the guys that we know that are coming in. But the guy who's going to open the door is going to be Owen Hart. Owen Hart is going to be like, we are sick of being held back by our by our federations. We're champion caliber. How dare you wow. keep on holding us back? And and that 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 uh. That wow. uh, and all those guys would like you know collaborate together. Harlem Heat would take the championships, uh, the tag team champion. That uh, Brian, Brian Blind Pillman or a bad or you, you know Loose Cannon, Loose Cannon, uh, uh, Cannon Pillman is going to be the Intercontinental Champion, and Owen Hart finally becomes the World Champion. So is Pillman? So so is. Pillman's WWF. He opens yep. the door for them. No, no, no. At this time, I'm, he's still. This is why I needed to be a Survivor Four. Series angle at first. Okay. That, that, that because he gets he gets signed, uh, um, he gets signed technically July of of uh, ninety five. That that uh, that uh, July of ninety five. Oh, ninety six. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I that that uh, of ninety six. Okay. That that that, that uh, so he doesn't get. Uh, I think it was June, but go ahead. But anyway, that yeah. he is summer. It's so 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 he gets so, but but kind of like him, like I said, him and Harlem Heat are are like you know so the Friday Angle. They're the invaders. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That be like it's like like oh our style down south is better than up north type of thing, right? Okay. And then, then of course the of course and then you get four guys from the WWF and be like, wait, you know. Four and three, we're gonna annihilate you. We're we'll like, no, nah, no, nah, we're gonna have a another guy come in. But one of the four guys already would be Owen Hart. So we would be Owen. Let's say it's Owen, Brett. Um, I don't know, Razor Ramon. It doesn't really matter, right? You gave me four WWF guys, and then of course the WCW guys would Brett, be Owen uh, Razor and Diesel. Yeah, Brett, Owen yeah, Sean and exactly. Diesel or whatever. And, okay. it, and of course the last two guys who. Uh, 
And that uh, the last two guys would be Owen. yeah, it'd be Brett yeah, Brett Owen and Brian Pillman. And then uh, and then o- Owen just turns on his brother and he goes, he goes, you, the this federation, I am done being set up, held back, bullshit, yada yada yada. Puts the title right, Brett, 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 Brett still be the champion, whatever. Uh, that uh, have puts a, the title, but on put him. the title item. He goes, hold on to that for me, will you? And then drops the mic. Boom. Ooh. That would be my invasion. That's cool. That's cool. I didn't see that coming, man. I didn't see that coming. All your picks, I did not see that coming. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So here's what I would have. Here's what I would do. So had Hall and Nash never left WWF to go to WCW. These are the. I'm gonna go with the three. Okay. And had the NWO invaded the WWF in 1996. Here's my three guys. First guy, Lex Luger. Why Lex Luger? Because Lex Luger, appearing on the very first Nitro, fired the first shot. Okay? I think it's important that he were to have been a part of this storyline. And also, coming back to the WWF, where many have said, behind the scenes... All the critics out there in wrestling have said Luger's run in the WWF was disappointing. The Lex Express failed. That's why he never got the belt. And his run was just the shits. You know, Mr. USA, you know, Yankee Doodle Dandy on steroids, whatever. It was, it was, it's a thumbs down. And so Luger feeling like he didn't get the opportunities he deserved and that the company kind of abandoned him, okay, for Bret Hart. He's got the angst to leave WCW and come back to the WWF to start the war. So he's the Scott Hall, in my opinion. He fires the first shot, okay? he appeared, Like I said, he appeared on the first Nitro. He comes back to Monday Night Raw, and everyone's like, whoa, what the hell's he doing here? Oh, my goodness. He left to go to that, that other company because they would never say WCW by name. He left to go to that other company. What the hell is he doing? Cameraman, get the camera off of him, etc. He comes in the ring. Let's say he throws out Davey Boy and, fuck, I don't know, Ahmed Johnson or something. Throws him out, cuts a promo talking about how, you know, um, you know, similar to Scott Hall. Like, he, the war's on now. I'm back, you know, and, and, and I'm bringing... I'm bringing some people with me to, 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 to cause a ruckus here. And so the next, the next guy that would be a part of this invasion would be someone who has got so, someone who doesn't have as loose ties to the WW. Now this is a little different than, than when Nash came in, someone who doesn't have loose ties to the WWF, but someone who, he's, he's kind of a wild card. I'm talking about the Giant, okay? Mm-hmm. The Giant went from his debut in WCW to pretending to be Andre the Giant's son in storyline to then being a part of the Dungeon of Doom and being a part of all that nonsense. Like, once you got past all that stuff and you looked at him, you were like, this guy's a star. So I feel like... If his contract were to have ran out, he's the next step. He's the big guy. He's the big man as a part of this three-man invasion group, okay? Luger, 
with the established history. Giant, who's not so established, but he's backing up Luger. And then the third guy, let's say they do a six-man tag at, like, a SummerSlam, okay? And it's Luger and Giant and the third man. And the other side is Sean, Razor, and Diesel. And they do the same angle. One of the guys is out, taken out. So now it's an even tag team match, two on two. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Bret Hart's music hits. And he comes running down that ring. And every, now mind you, we're going to kind of stick with some of the same timeline from that time period in 1996. Bret left the WWF because his contract had expired after he lost to Shawn Michaels in that Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12. He was disappeared. He was nowhere to be found, okay? And Bret eventually didn't resign till November or October of that year later to set up his stuff with Steve Austin. Anyhow, Brett comes back sooner at 96. He does the Hogan spot where everyone's like, oh my God, he's here to save the WWF. And out of nowhere, he clocks Shawn Michaels with Shawn Michaels' WWF title belt. <laughs> the same championship that Shawn took from him at WrestleMania 12. And Brett is your third man and the leader of the NWO with Lex Luger and the Giant. And Brett can feel like the WWF turned on him. They went with this, you know, this this boy toy, this, you know, he's not a role model, you know, edgier, you know, Shawn Michaels as the champion. And they just kind of like put him out to pasture and he's back. And he's back with Luger, who had a shitty run in the WWF, and this big son of a bitch that's going to take everybody out in the Giant. And that is the beginning of the NWO in the WWF in 1996. Brett, Luger, and the Giant. Pretty good. I, I, I like your Owen, though. And the, and the, we, the we, meeting we, of, like, the four guys, like, it, 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 when, when you said it to me in the text, I was like, all right. I need I gotta, four guys. I was like, I got to see what this is, but it's worth it. It was worth it, man. I liked it a lot. Yep. But that, 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 uh, so my thinking was, if you're going to take over, you got to do it right. Take the tag. Take take, take the, the IC champ. It could look exactly like why Undisputed Era is so over right now. Maybe because they have all the titles and, the, you, you know, that that, uh, that, that they, had, they had a turn with Roderick Strong and yep. all that other stuff. It, it's... It's just a it's just a perfect story, you know. Yeah. That that uh, but me and you kind of almost have the same thing because like if we go we've progressed in both our stories is Owen couldn't do it alone. Yeah. It's just, it's so so Brett Brett would be like, uh, John Michaels of course of course would lose drop the belt and of course his thing would be well you couldn't do it alone you're a pussy blah 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 yeah. blah and then same thing with my story too Brett Hart would be like like you know I'm the better man. The only reason why you're a champion because of these motherfuckers, yeah. you know, that's yeah. it. your little click. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know? yep. yeah. That, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. That's that's cool. And and, and like I said, with this new concept, I'm gonna kind of throw these little hypothetical questions out there as part of the subjects. It's not something that we can go into in a full, long form, hour and a half, two hour podcast. But I think it's something that we can incorporate into these little, you know, uh, this, this little mumbo jumbo. Uh, that is known as my fanny pack. Um, the last subject in the day five fanny pack this week here on Kicking Out of Two. As we head into Royal Rumble season, 
Let's talk about surprise entries in the Royal Rumble over the years. The good, the bad. Let's have at it. All right. So <laughs> the bad, I forget what his first name is. But but uh, that guy that, that, that uh, I know his last name is Cologne. Uh, he was absolutely a part of the Car murders. Carlos uh, Cologne. Yep. Yep. I was. I. I he was in the 1993 Royal yep, Rumble. Yeah. Yep. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why would you put that piece of shit in there? I was like OJ Simpson coming back, coming back as a commentator for football. It makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um, the only thing I could, the only reason why I could, I could rationalize why they put him in that Royal Rumble was because um, he had a relationship with Gorilla Monsoon um, because Gorilla Monsoon owned a piece of the Puerto Rico territory, and so. But um, have him though. I mean, it, but we don't know. I mean, you, that's your opinion that you felt like he was a part of that Bruiser Brody murder, and and uh, there's a lot of evidence that could lay claim to that, but in that wrestling circle. It's just speculation. I'm sorry. When I rewatched that, I'm like, I had to. I probably rewatched that like ten years ago, give or take, right? I had to rewind it. I'm like, no. Carlos Colon. Yeah. No, well, the little boy. I didn't know or whatever. Yeah. You know. I didn't know. Uh, the fuck. Actually, I kind of knew who he was because I used to have his AWA action figure. Really? Yeah, and it had, and he had the um, the wrinkles in his forehead from all, the, all, all the cuts that he used to have when he bladed. And all those yeah. Japanese guys too. It was like, why? We don't. I mean, as an adult now, we did research and all that stuff. And the greatest human invention, in my opinion, is the internet. Yeah. That said, that said, uh, uh, we learned all all about all, the, all the, these wrestlers and whatnot. But when I was like a twelve year old kid, I'm like, who the fuck is this Japanese guy? Like, why is he here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but. Uh, that's the bad. That's the bad when you get these foreign wrestlers or or are not properly introduced or like at least throw them on a raw like two weeks before like the fucking thing. Yeah. Like oh yeah, the great Kabuki and blah blah blah, whatever you know. Yeah. Uh, then, oh, uh, I know. Like like done right for for example when like I, I'm going to female wrestling now. Like the when the Survivor Series '95, right '95, right when yeah. it was when it was. Uh, uh, team Ludwig Blade versus t Team uh, Birth uh, of Faye. Yeah, yeah, those Japanese wrestlers. Yeah. For a month, you saw those wrestlers fight each other and yeah, whatnot. They, they that, 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 it did a really good. I, I knew who Aja Kong was and the other ones, and and I'm like, oh, I know these people because they promoted them. Yeah. But anyway, then you get these Royal Rumbles where it's like, who the fuck are you? All <laughs> yeah, right. But anyway, no, I know. that's the bad. Yeah. The good, the good, of course, would be like you know, oh AJ Styles. That, that was so good. Yeah. I I I mean, I, I did I watch? I, I know it's it's still a current product, but no, it, it, let, let, let's just just call it uh, what it is. That the TNA Impact Wrestling ship it went under the sea in like 2010. Yeah. That that that. Uh, that, 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 and I used to love that and watch the product and all this other stuff. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, um, they, uh, like the um, motor machine guns and yada, 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 right? Yeah. That, 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 uh, I love that product. I would argue I like that product. I didn't watch it as much, but I uh, what I did watch, uh, I liked it more than the WWE product. And I really mean that. Yep. that, that, that uh, so when I saw AJ Styles... I lost my fucking mind. It, it, I really did, and I liked the Bullet Club too. That that uh, and, and I, that, 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 that 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 so the stuff, the stuff that I did watch of New Japan was you know AJ and Kenny Omega and like you know the um, but uh, man, um, 
Michigan Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. And those uh, and like those guys I fucking loved, you know. And and all of a sudden, just and also, I get I I I don't always give credit to Roman Reigns, but his reaction, like who the fuck. And then all of a sudden it was AJ. He's like, <gasps> you know, yeah. like, like that was so good. Because you didn't know the, like the like the music, like because he never. Yeah, of course he didn't know who it was before. So like you didn't know who it was, and then like the the way that they panned the, the camera to Roman, and you could hear the pop. So even he was just like, oh, like. And then when they they shot the camera to the entrance, and you could kind of see him with the hood and everything when he popped it. Like, yeah, like it was, it was, and it was done right in the the city of Orlando where he had a big history with TNA yeah. and all the all the all the times he performed at, at Universal Studios. That community knew who he was. It was almost like he was a local hometown boy entering the Royal Rumble as a surprise. So uh, I thought that was I thought that was pulled off uh, very well. Continue. Of course. Um, uh, but one of my f- uh, once again a wrestler that I don't particularly like, don't particularly hate, Cena Bomber, and uh, that uh, that uh, uh, me and my buddy were just watching the, the that that I remember me and my buddy by this house watching the Royal Rumble, and we're uh, we're like. We heard his music in number thirty. We're like, this is a rib. Yeah. I'm like, here it is, a heel, and you're gonna, and he's gonna get booed the shit on, and it's gonna be awesome heat. I didn't think that could have worked, by the way. I if you had a heel, and but it was Cena Bobber. I'm like, no, he said he was gonna be out for a year. Yeah. And then, then, uh, and here he comes. He wins, and I, I really, uh, I, I gave it, I gave it, a, I yeah. did, I gave him a standing ovation for that. Yeah, we were at Hooters for that one. Justin and I went, and uh, we were like, whoa, and like I just remember like it. The pop in the on TV, you know, it was it was good. The people were into it, but in Hooters, man, it was like a mixed reaction. Like there was like half that that, that booed it, and there were half that were like, were like, oh, this is great. This was a great twist, and like nobody saw it coming. So yeah, that's definitely one of the one of the better ones. Yep. You got any more? Oh, I I, I, I want, now that we mentioned um, Roman Reigns, I totally forgot. Or the the one where where I could have been like the Kenny Omega Royal Rumble is number thirty and and that that uh and I'm like oh my god they're gonna do it twenty seventeen it's, it's going to be Kenny Omega holy fucking Reigns. yeah it was Roman yeah. Reigns oh my heart hey that, like I said that dirty cocksucker Kenny Omega he ripped my <laughs> I the, being a Minnesota Viking fan a Kenny Omega fan I swear to God you get your heart ripped out more, more uh I'm just Anyway, I'm a Giants and a Mets fan, yeah. so you ain't got nothing to fucking <laughs> yeah. talk about when it comes to that shit. But yeah, no, that, that, that was a good one too, um, because everybody thought that, oh shit, he's thirty, he's gonna win it, you know, when yep. Roman came out. But and, I just said you thought it was gonna be a surprise. Yeah, you're gonna be like, who's who's this gonna be? It's gonna be. That's what I really thought. I, I that that uh, 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 that's what I I was convinced it was Kenny Omega yeah. because like. They use everybody. Yeah. Who's left? Yeah. No, I know. And you know what the thing about surprise entries, at least in recent years, like it's few and far between. Like they they're they're putting a lot of guys in the rumbles that you know and giving them a spot in the show, which is good. But 
a surprise here and there. Like like last year, they did Jeff Jarrett, and he did that spot with Elias. Yeah. Where he was double J, and I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Dude, But then, it, it like, was cool for like 30 seconds. Yeah, and then he dumped him out. Like, he didn't stay in there long. Why did I, I last, like, had to leave, why did I have the last 10 fucking minutes? But I was like, give me a good one. Give me like a return of someone that's like going to, you know, like that, that, that's going to make an impact. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the Royal Rumble yep. surprises when it's like a nostalgia pop, a legend, a Hall of Famer, whatever. But give me something that's like I'm going to sink my teeth into that's going to be more than just the surprise. That it's going to lead them to, you know, what their involvement's going to be heading into WrestleMania. Like, for instance, it's more recent, but 2013, Dolph Ziggler was number one in the Royal Rumble and number two was Jericho. They hadn't seen Jericho in months. Jericho wasn't even a part of the company. Yeah. The last time he was on TV before that, Dolph Ziggler retired him or or he lost his job. It was Loser Leafs, Monday Night Raw or some bullshit like that. And Jericho came out and the place went crazy. You couldn't even hear yourself think. And it was just such a, a, a cool moment. And Jericho lasted a long time in that rumble. He didn't win it, but he lasted a long time. And then, of course, the follow-up was, well, he's going to, I was like, oh, great. This is going to set up him and Dolph at WrestleMania. This is going to mm. be cool. No, they put him in there with Fandango. I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck me, right? Like, you know, um, that's still a head scratcher. Yeah, but, then, but then there was the, the that same rumble. Gold Dust was a surprise, and yep. he mixed it up with Cody. And I was like, ooh, that was cool. Let's see them go out at WrestleMania. No. The one, the one off of RVD. No. I like that too. That was a good. Yeah, RVD made a yep. couple of surprise appearances. Uh, I think one was in two thousand and nine. The Cena one was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of some good ones here. Um, 2002, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Um, even though, actually, no, I'm sorry. He wasn't a surprise. Um, he was advertised ahead of time. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Him and Godfather and Valvinus. I made a mistake. I, I, I fucked that one right. up. Um, I didn't remember. I'm trying to think some surprises here. 2007, 2008, 9, 10. Oh, one of my favorites, Edge. When Edge came in at number twenty nine and won the Royal Rumble yeah. and you know eliminated Jericho, he was a he was you know another one of those. The only where, reason why it gets watered down because it happened after Cena bombers. Yeah, that, that that that's the only reason why that I guess that's a little little bit of watered down and the Triple H one like it because uh the which the, one when he won the belt from Roman. Yeah, that that, that is gonna be that the big surprise was Triple H and because he was injured or whatever and he came back. And it's like, this is this is this, uh, this, the Cena bomber yeah. thing effect. I'm like, no, it's already been done. Yeah, so th- th- those are some of my favorites. Probably the, the ones that were real head scratchers for me were like, um, was it uh, 1996? They brought in Dory Funk Jr., who was like probably fucking 70 at that point. Okay, I don't and, even remember that. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, Dory Funk Jr.? Like, the year before, 1995, they had Dick Murdoch. Like, okay. yeah. you know, I was like, what the hell? I mean, I knew who they were, yeah. but like, you know, really? Like, this is this who we're bringing in here for the Royal Rumble? I'm like, come on. Um, who was that Mexican guy that eliminated himself? That was Mill Mascaris in nineteen ninety seven, <laughs> and that was at the and and you know what? I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because that kind of it kind of spawned something here for a second here. You talked about it at the beginning where you said you know having all these international guys and like you know with no hype, no buildup. That Royal Rumble in nineteen ninety seven was being held in San Antonio. They were using a fair amount of like luchadors from like. Um, 
the CMML, CMLL promotion, mm-hmm. and um, Mascaris was one of the guys that they used. And Mascaris, I guess, the story I heard was is that um, he didn't want, he doesn't do jobs. Like he's 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 very 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 protective. He's like he's a shrewd businessman. Didn't want to do a job. And they presented him an idea of somebody throwing him over the top rope, and he was like, "No job." And he and his English isn't the greatest, and so they came up with the idea: "All right, well, you're just going to throw yourself over the top rope. Then, if you're not going to let somebody do it, then you do it yourself." And he that's when he did the the flying cross body and jumped o- jumped off the top and eliminated himself. Some have said that he did that on purpose, <laughs> and some have said it was an accident. But yeah, that's that's one of the uh, the, the surprise entrants in the, uh, the the Royal Rumble match. But um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I like this new format. What do you think about I it? I like it. Yeah. yeah, mixing it up a little bit, talking it's about fluid. different things. You know, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll we'll keep this a regular thing on kicking out of two. If it's not every week, it may be every other week, it may be once a month, but it's gonna be a regular thing. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely liking it, and uh, hope you all liked it too. Thank you all once again for uh, for hitting that download button on New Year's Day. Hopefully, you're not too hungover from all your New Year's Eve shenanigans, and you got to uh, enjoy the uh, the soft sounds of one Dennis Levy and myself here talking uh, retro pro wrestling with the Dave Five Fanny Pack. Um, Dennis, thank you. Always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun. Next week, we're going to play Royal Rumble Roulette. You want to be in on this one? I'll be in, yeah. Yeah, all right, cool. We're going to play Royal Rumble Roulette. We're going to pick a Royal Rumble match, just a match, not the whole pay-per-view, and we're going to watch it on WWE Network, hopefully with all of you. So stay tuned for that next week here on Kicking Out of Two. And like I said, I think it's about that time that we put this show down for the three count. The fanny pack is empty. There's no more. There's no more that needs to be discussed out of my fanny pack until next time. And we'll see you all next week.